0: 't look now <music> to it welcome to don't look now the podcast with your hosts Jenny McDonald and will Hageman coming to you every Tuesday with our Glorious podcast <laughs> covering topics that range all over the place from cats and cults and coffee to uh, whatever the case may be today. As always, I have no idea what we are about to talk about, but uh, Jenny has been looking up something and has a topic ready to go. So give me some clues, Jenny. What's what's our topic today? Jesus. Jesus. Hmm. But not like you think. (laughs) Jesus, but not like you think. So, hmm. Don't know.
1: (laughs) How about if I throw in yoga in Australia?
0: Jesus, yoga in Australia? No, that really doesn't help. Sorry, (laughs) not getting me any closer here.
1: All right. What if I said it was the reincarnation of Jesus?
0: Who was doing yoga in Australia. Nice. Yeah. Cool. I guess I know more about it, but I do not know anything about this. So.
1: Okay. Well, you might not. This is kind of an obscure one. Um, And actually like the same 10 article, the same stories told in every single yeah. article you read, except for if you find the book or a couple podcasts or okay. you know, documentaries. Right. Interesting. So the story is about the family. Okay. Have you heard of them?
0: No, I don't. I, none of this is ringing a bell for me at all.
1: Okay, hey, what's a cult?
0: I do not know um, my Australian cults, so yeah.
1: you gotta you gotta be weirder, Will. This is what this <laughs> boiling down to. I'm not
0: up on my Aussies and their cults. So.
1: Well, cults are very like popular right now, apparently. Um, not in that people are joining them like crazy, although they are. Uh, but more in that there's a lot of really good documentaries about hmm. cults right now that okay. have been just written phenomenally. And the fact that they record, and the cults themselves record a ton, usually. Mm. So it's fascinating. But this particular group, the family, is also known as the Santan Canetan Park Association, or the Great White Brotherhood, which tells you a lot of information right there.
0: (laughs) You can already tell these guys are trouble. uh...
1: Right. It's kind of this really weird, like, eugenics and yoga mix, like interesting That is, that is right? interesting. yeah super weird new age group so it's formed in the mid-60s under the leadership of a woman Ann hamilton burn um born with a totally different name as you do right yeah and they teach a lot of western and eastern religious doctrine that's been corrupted obviously and twisted and the teaching is that ann is the reincarnation of jesus it's widely described as a cult because it's a cult um <laughs>
0: The main reason to describe something as a cult, huh?
1: Right. The main reason is because yeah. it's a cult. Um, so yeah, they teach this really weird mixture of Christianity and Hinduism and other religions. Um, the principle, the spiritual truths are universal. So children are raised in the group and study the major scriptures of these religions, as well as the work of gurus, including Sri Chinmoy, Beher Baba and Rajneesh, who is from another cult. <laughs> <laughs> the one of the adopted daughters later describes the groups believes as kind of a hodgepodge of christianity and eastern mysticism i i would concur based on what i have learned okay so the basis of their philosophy is that the founder and hamilton Byrne, is the reincarnation of jesus and is a living god and i'd like to take this moment to state that she's real interesting <laughs> Because she looks like your most wealthy white lady in town. So, like, if you were to pass her on the street, all you would see is, like, the turtleneck with the pearls, the short bob blonde hair, impeccable (laughs) nails, just totally a solid white middle class mom during the 60s, right? Yeah. So... She is special and she convinces everyone that she's a reincarnation of Jesus. She's a living God. Um, And within the group, they Jesus Buddha and Krishna were regarded as enlightened beings who come to earth to aid in humanity. And she's put in the same category as these people uh, on the basis of this belief, members of her inner circle claim to be various reincarnations of the 12 apostles as you would. Right. Yeah. So, like I said, she was not born Anne. she was born Evelyn Edwards in 1921. Unfortunately, her mother had died when Anne was pretty young in an asylum. She was a paranoid schizophrenic and unable to care for her child. Her father could not hold down a job and he wasn't really up to being a single parent. So he put his child up for adoption. So Anne was sent to orphanages, which Mm -hmm. in Australia at this time.
0: Yeah. Not great.
1: No orphanages are, but.
0: (laughs) Especially not great.
1: These ones just are not. Um, So, yeah, she grows up, finally leaves and becomes an adult. And she has a child. And she's married at the time that she has her baby, but her husband is killed in a car accident. So as a way to work through her grief, she gets involved in yoga. And at the time, yoga is pretty, I'd like to pause here and state, yeah, the Rajneeshis hit Australia with this yoga craze and it blew up. They used to have like these meditation centers. There's a ton of people that came from Australia to Washington when the Rajneeshis came. So she could have gone either way. Honestly, she could have been a disciple or she could have started up her own cult. (laughs) We see what she chose. She chose well. So she's really drawn to the connections of yoga with Eastern religion and began teaching yoga to other curious housewives in Melbourne. And what followed was anything but typicalness for a yoga teacher. So by the early 60s, this Eastern religion and mysticism really started to capture the interest of the whole West. And she had this reputation for herself in Melbourne as someone who was super fascinated and everybody knew that if you had questions about it, she's the one you would go to, right? All right. <laughs> so she meets a doctor by the name of Dr. Rainer Johnson. He's going to be retiring soon. He's a physicist. And this encounter changes everything. He's totally captivated by how charming she is. So like he said, she's unquestionably the wisest, serenest, and most gracious, generous soul he's ever met. And because it's the 60s, she's friends with a soon-to-be-retired physicist. They did the things that only people in these circumstances can do. They tripped balls on LSD. I
0: was going to say, LSD has to be involved here, right?
1: <laughs> but yeah, totally tripped, tripped out of their minds. Yeah. Um, And so while they're experimenting with LSD, Dr. Rainer Johnson introduces her to various doctors, lawyers, and nurses who were also seeking this new age wisdom and looked to this really pretty, charming young yoga instructor for guidance. So she helps, she has him help recruit people to her group, which is slowly becoming a cult. And they use one of his properties for the Santinkinan Um, It's on the outskirts of Melbourne. It's their headquarters and they build a lodge on the ground for group meetings and discussions. And it doesn't take long for this to kind of expand and blow up. So they start having weekly meetings to follow her and allow her to deliver her message, which is basically just like a huge weird conglomeration of all of the religions. (laughs) None of it really like stands out. It's all just kind of a weird blend. And she's just like, I, I know what I'm doing. I'm Jesus. And after a while, all the people that are showing up start to believe her and to believe in her teachings. Because if you say enough things with a lot of deep breathing, eventually people forget, especially <laughs> if they're all on LSD. Just, you know.
0: Yeah, I can believe that.
1: <laughs> so um, adjacent to this property, they purchase another property and continue to build on it. So at this point, the group is consisting of middle-class professionals, a quarter of whom are medical personnel who's been, you know, recruited directly into from the Hatha yoga classes, which Hatha yoga is miserable, is a thousand degrees. I have no idea why you want to do that class. And they <laughs> always have you stand in these weird positions and you can't breathe. So I don't know how people can breathe because that's all they tell you to do when it's hot and you're sweating. <sighs> I don't like that. I have yoga. not tried that. Yeah. <laughs> Yoga is not my thing. It's it's gross. Uh, So most of the members lived in the suburbs of Melbourne or nearby townships. And they started to meet from the weekly meeting to Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays. And then nearby is another property known as the White Lodge, which. I I just want to be very clear. This is an extremely like Eurocentric white person blonde hair blue eyed group of people
0: yeah which seems especially weird if they're all obsessed with eastern religion right yeah irony is thick
1: (laughs) by the 1980s the police estimate that Anne hamilton burns fortune was 50 million dollars because she was siphoning money from all of these people In addition to gaining members through Dr. Johnson, another member, Marion Vilmeck, contributed a great deal. She managed the New Haven Hospital, which is a psychiatric hospital, which treats a lot of patients with LSD at the time. Easy, right? Mm -hmm. Perfect way to treat people. It definitely isn't going to cause psychiatric issues later in their life. And many of the hospital staff were members of the family. So it was used as a way to recruit potential new members. You know, perfect pipeline. Just keep pulling them in. And of course, she has everybody under her spell and they give her everything, but not just their money. They sign over their homes and they give her their children. Hmm. So we know that the New New Haven Hospital um, is passing over people and we have all the staff and attending psychiatrists or members and the family starts to recruit the hospital's patients themselves after they've exceeded the staff. And they would start by giving everyone LSD, and then they would talk them into the services that the family could provide um, through family psychiatrists. One of the original members of the family is given LSD, electroconvulsive therapy, and two leukotomies during the late 60s. So, like, they did their work to try to convert people and brainwash them. Hmm. Uh, By 92, the hospital had closed down, um, and that was ordered into, they were looking into the death of a patient from 1975 that had died during deep sleep therapy. They had used electroconvulsive therapy, LSD, and other practices, but no evidence that deep sleep had actually been used on them, so they reopened it as a nursing home. Let's Let's throw it back into the commission, um, but apparently there are no connections to the previous owners. Doesn't say about staff though. So what we do know is that Anne Hamilton Byrne acquired twenty-eight infants and young children between nineteen sixty-eight and nineteen seventy-five. Some of the kids were biological children of the members of the family. Others had been obtained through illegal adoptions because remember, she know, she's with all the people that know the people and know all the ways to find kids that slip through the cracks. So she worked with lawyers, doctors, and social workers to bypass all the normal protocols. And they would often like swipe kids before birth certificates were used, or they would fake birth certificates or deed polls so that they could bring them into the fold. Jeez. All the kids are given the surname of Hamilton Byrne and made to dress alike all of them had their hair dyed blonde and cut the exact the pictures are super fucking creepy
0: Yeah, it sounds super creepy
1: yeah they're super creepy because they're all that like page boy cut where it's like yeah. that short with the bangs it's it's creepy they kept all the kids secluded and homeschooled at a rural property um often referred to as up top on lake eldon um they were told that Anne was their biological mother, and any other adults that they ran across were they considered aunties or uncles. They were denied almost all access to the outside world and subjected to discipline such as starvation diets and unprovoked eatings. Um, remember, number one way to control people in a cult is to take away protein. Yeah. And it's a really good way to get people just out of sorts and easy to control them. So if you have a kiddo that is misbehaving, their food would be taken away or they would get beaten. And the method of beating the children was Anne Hamilton would take her shoe off and beat them with the stiletto from her heels. Jesus. Right? It's a little miserable.
0: Sounds like a wonderful place.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, One of the kids later said that, you know, everything was fine as long as you obeyed, but Anne was not somebody that you argued with. You just did what you were told. Even if she wasn't around to dish out the punishment, she still tried to find a way to take part in it. So when she was away, she would call and listen to the aunties discipline the children through the phone to ensure it was being done. So we have starvation. We have maltreatment. And if you couldn't keep the kids under control, what's the next best thing? Let's dope them up, right? (laughs) So they would regularly give the kids Valium to keep them docile, but they only did that to age 14 because, you know, like at that point they needed them to start thinking for themselves. They were also given huge amounts of LSD um, and they were told repeatedly that Anne is the reincarnation reincarnation of Jesus Christ and that they needed to obey and that... You know, there was this whole part that they were going to take into the changing of the world.
0: Jesus is all about beating the shit out of people.
1: (laughs) It's a. I I, I see
0: nothing wrong here.
1: (laughs) It's kind of an interesting mix of different cult philosophies, actually, because not all of cults are like physically this abusive they do things that are like mildly abusive to extreme so there's always a level of abuse yeah some sometimes though it's more physical than yeah yeah. they just fucked up these kids that's all i'm going to start with they really did all the things they did maltreatment physically and mentally so once the kids reach adolescence they have a weird drug fueled initiation ceremony into full key members of the cult. They're given a shit ton of LSD and then they're left alone in a room. And the only person that comes to visit them is Anne or a psychiatrist. So you're given a bunch of psychiatric drugs that are frequently administered. They undergo this weird initiation with LSD. The kids are left alone in dark rooms and like, This is just setting them up for a really weird trip, right? Yeah. So for several years, Anne Hamilton Byrne developed a connection to the Siddha yoga movement, and she received the Shaktapat initiation from Swami Muktanada, and took the Sanskrit name, because here's another one of those great things. Like you can be a white supremacist, but if you believe that you deserve a Eastern name, you're mm-hmm. going to give yourself the Eastern name. So she takes the Sanskrit name, Ma yoga Shakti in 1979. And then in 1981, she and some of the kids went to stay in Muktananda. Um, oh, sorry. With Muktananda at his ashram in South Fallsburg in New York, where they purchased a nearby property for their own base in America. Because like, that's the other thing about cults in this period of time, you can't just yeah. be a cult in the country of origin. You have to spread and become global. Yeah. Right. So one of the kiddos, Sarah Hamilton Byrne, later recalled how Muktanada would give private audience once a week to the family. He once asked all the children if they would like to leave the family and stay with him in his ashram in India. All the kids were like, yes, absolutely. We want to do that. This was a bad decision. (laughs) (laughs) They were disciplined uh, for their disloyalty. And it actually ends up causing a lot of trouble between the devotees of Muktanadha and the family. Okay. So some of the family defects and joins them. And it was just very weird because like one person from Muktanadha joined them. Mm -hmm. Um, And when he's initiated, Sarah says she doesn't understand why anybody would want to join the family. Because it's miserable there. And everybody's so happy for Muktananda. (laughs) Right? Which one do you want to join, Will? The happy one or the miserable one?
0: I guess if I have to, I'll go with the happy one.
1: (laughs) I mean. So eventually in 1987, Hamilton Byrne expels Sarah from the group because she's a teenager. And she's become pretty argumentative and rebellious in her teen years. So she leaves and with the support of a private investigator and a handful of other people, she brings the attention. She brings the attention of the family to the Victoria police, which is a mm-hmm. big deal because they've always flown under the radar. You wouldn't have known they existed to the cops, right? Yeah. So as a result of her efforts, a raid takes place on the 14th of August of 1987. At that time, all the kids are removed from the premises. However, most of these kids have never been outside of this house. they've never met anyone from outside of their family. Thanks. they fight tooth and nail against these cops because they don't understand what's happening. very sad. yeah. sarah herself uh later goes on to study medicine to become a qualified doctor. sadly due to all of the lsd that she had and all of the psychological mindfuckery that she went through she attempts to commit suicide several times and then finally does pass away. Super sad. Before she had passed, though, she did learn about her adoption and did meet her biological mother because for most of her life she believed Anne Byrne was her mother. Wow. Right? After the raid, Hamilton and Anne Hamilton Byrne and her husband William leave Australia for a period of six years. They're on the fucking run, man. They just like dipped and ran. Um, a whole investigation called Operation Forest, which involves the police in Australia, the UK and the US, results in the arrest um, in June of 1993 by the FBI in New York. This followed admissions by former members of the family, including their lawyer, <laughs> Peter Kibbe, that the group had engaged in adoption scams and acts of forgery. So everybody's saying, oh, yeah, we definitely did this. Like, there's no question they did this, Right yeah and they ex- extradite um and and her husband to australia and they charged them with conspiracy to defraud and to commit perjury by falsely registering the births of three unrelated children as their own triplets but the charges are dropped hmm. and then um their co-defendants um also have their charges dropped. so finally Anne and her husband plead guilty to the remaining charges, which are making a false declaration, and they're fined $5,000 apiece. Conspiracy (laughs) charges are dropped, um, but one of the co-conspirators was convicted of falsely obtaining $23,000 between 83 and 87. Hmm. Some of the other members of the family are tried in court. So you've got um, one lady, age 64, convicted of falsely obtaining $28,000 another it's all like falsely obtaining money hmm. so they're fined they're not really like imprisoned yeah i just ha- am curious about the legal system in australia right <laughs> is it because was. it's an island that was based off of people that were supposed to go to prison or eh.
0: What time period is this? This is the.
1: The nineties.
0: Nineties. Okay.
1: Ninety three ish was when, well, she was arrested in 93.
0: Okay. Yeah. Hmm.
1: I mean, maybe there's a statute of limitations.
0: Yeah. Or she's just got friends in powerful places, which is probably the most likely. So a lot of money.
1: So around 2009, two individuals received compensation from, Anne after suing her. Her granddaughter sued for alleged psychiatric and psychological illnesses, alleging malnourishment and cruel and inhumane treatment from Anne and her followers. She got $250,000, which isn't a lot. Another former member, Cynthia Chan, alleged that she paid the sum of $300,000 for real estate in Olinda, but the property was never transferred to her. She also alleged she paid the sum of $70,000 for another property, but it was never transferred. And Anne Hamilton said she has no memory of this, so they award her 250000 out of the original, like, half a million. <laughs> Stop giving her money, right? Yeah. Um, so, in 2001, Anne's husband died. She attends the funeral in her only public appearance following her conviction. In later years, it's reported she was living in a Melbourne nursing home and was suffering from pretty severe dementia and that there was an internal succession crisis um, as new leadership was trying to figure out who was going to take over. And they didn't really ever sort that out that I'm aware of well. Like it's not obviously taken over the world, so it's not well taken care of. And Hamilton ends up dying on June 13th of 2019, age 97. Wow. Right? There's all sorts of books you can write about this. There's even um, a TV series that's coming out this year called The Clearing. Hmm. That's got Guy Pearce in it. So, like, it's probably pretty good. And I will definitely watch it when I find it. It's going to be on Disney+. Plus. Okay. That requires me logging into Disney plus though. And I just don't have the patience. Um, <laughs> yeah. So let's go down a rabbit hole as you do. Why would you join a cult? Right. Yeah. Probably because you didn't know you're joining a cult. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: But you're always joining something. <laughs> don't-
1: right. So most people though, don't realize that they're joining a cult outright. Yeah. Um, the individuals who are attracted to groups may have certain vulnerabilities that make them more likely to join Um, loneliness. That's why college students are particularly vulnerable. Anxiety and substance abuse problems are the number one ways to attract people to a cult. I feel like that guy in Oklahoma with the tigers, the Tiger King guy, he was this close. If he hadn't gotten arrested, man, (laughs) he would have had it. Um, another study found many cult members experience attachment insecurity prior to join a cult. So their insecurities drive them towards a group that accepts them. Once they're part of the group, they're distanced from outside influences. And once you're distanced from outside influences, it makes it really hard to leave. It's the same way like abusive spouses make it mm-hmm. difficult for you to leave them. After they often grow really dependent on being in the group and become suspicious of people outside of the group. And this is why that idea of like being brainwashed comes along is because you, you kind of are, it's a whole new version of you. Another major theory about why people stay in cults is pretty sociological. So cult leaders absolutely promise you a reward of some sort. So like the thing about the, uh, is it David Koresh that promised you'd get to go on a spaceship?
0: No, no, that was, that was the, uh,
1: that was the doe and me
0: Marshall or whatever yes. Applewhite.
1: Yes. Marshall Applewhite. Thank you. What was the name of that damn cult? So tired. I'm, it doesn't matter, but they would say that something good's going to happen for you. You'll move up the ranks um, yep. or something will happen that you'll get everything you ever wanted. If you're lonely and you wanted a wife, you'll have a wife and the perfect family. If you know, like your dreams would be met. So a lot of people involved in cults are a lot more like victims um, because they're subjected to these really psychological manipulation tactics. And it lures them into making some really unhealthy decisions. And getting out really difficult. A lot of people just don't have the financial resources anymore to get out after they've been in for a while. So if you're looking for characteristics of a cult, here's the things to look for. You have the authoritarian control so cultism hinges on encouraging maximum dependency you have to feel incapable of living in an individual life with outside of the norms of the group. This goes hand in hand with worshipful attitude towards the group's authoritarian leader. This is the kind of work that they were doing to the kids and the family.
0: Yeah.
1: Extremist beliefs, the cult members hold to very dogmatic extreme beliefs and they're unable to question these beliefs without fear, um, isolation from society This is another level that they were doing in the family. So as soon as a new person joins the cults, they isolate them from everyone. And that helps to fulfill mind control in the aspirations of the leadership and create a new hive mind. And then there's veneration of a single individual. So that's three out of the four characteristics. And I would aim almost all four, right? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So you have a charismatic leader at the center and you adopt the belief of your leader and fulfill their request. And it can be pretty violent, or it can be pretty docile in a lot of cases. So you've got four different kinds of cults. Um, The doomsday cults, which come together to prepare for the end of the world. You've got political cults, which are both left and right. um, And they just turn into cults over a period of time, like because people get together and keep echo chambering. We have religious cults. um, So spiritual belief, that's the bedrock. And then you have sex cults and most of them have a component of sexual abuse, but some have sex as the primary function of the cult. Those ones are weird as hell. So anyhow, (laughs) this is the story of the family. Will
0: yeah, no, I I had never heard of any of this, so it's all, all new to me. So, so yeah, good to, good to know. I, uh, yeah, I did, I did look up on my phone while you were talking and see the creepy pictures of all of the kids in their little, like, you know, little outfits and their blonde hair and whatever. It's, uh, yeah, very seventies Stepford looking creepiness. Yeah. Yeah. Yep.
1: It feels very gross, doesn't it?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like, yeah
1: this is another one of those examples of a group that lasted forever. I mean, they yeah. went for 30 years before someone recognized that there was a cult happening there. Yeah. It's just wild. Or they knew, like yeah, you said, they do, they but people you do from about higher it, up,
0: you know, if you can't catch them doing something illegal, you know, what are you going to do other than say, well, I guess they're a cult over there, you know?
1: Right. And like, most of what they did wasn't illegal. It just was illegal when it came to those kids. Really? I mean, everything else was between consenting adults, I guess. Yeah. That's even worse. <laughs> Anyhow, that's the story.
0: <laughs> well, nope, cool. Well, I mean, they're cool, but they're interesting subject. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, you know, great. Right? I know very little about a lot of, you know, I know a couple of the major big cults, but I don't, I don't know my cults that well. So, so all new to me. So
1: I'll tell you what, I'm going to have some free time and I'm going to watch documentaries and then God help us all.
0: Yeah. And we're going to, going to be all about the cults. So yeah. Yeah. No. Well, yeah. Well, thanks for that. Thanks everybody for listening this week. You know, as always rate, subscribe and review, tell your friends about the podcast and we will catch you all in a week with another topic. Bye-bye, folks. Bye. Goodbye.